0: This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rebecca Dittman, Liverpool, United Kingdom. Web address mercurialspirit.co.uk. From October to Brest-Litovsk by Leon Trotsky Chapter 17 The First Days of the New Regime The decrees on land and peace approved by the council were printed in huge quantities and, through delegates from the front, peasant pedestrians arriving from the villages and agitators sent by us to the trenches in the provinces, were strewn broadcast all over the country. Simultaneously, the work of organisations at arming the Red Guards was carried on. Together with the old garrison and the sailors, the Red Guard was doing hard patrol duty. The Council of People's Commissaries got control of one government department after another, though everywhere encountering the passive resistance of the higher and middle-grade officials. The former Soviet parties tried their utmost to find support in this class and organise a sabotage of the new government. Our enemies felt certain that the whole affair was a mere episode, that in a day or two, at most a week, the Soviet government would be overthrown. The first foreign councillors and members of the embassies, impelled quite as much by curiosity as by necessary business on hand, appeared at the Shmolny Institute. Newspaper correspondents hurried thither with their notebooks and cameras everyone hastened to catch a glimpse of the new government being sure that in a day or two it will be too late perfect order reigned in the city the sailors soldiers and red guards bore themselves in these first days with excellent discipline and nobly supported the regime of stern revolutionary order In the enemy's camp, fear arose lest the episode should become too protracted, and so the first force for attacking the new government was being hastily organised. In this, the initiative was taken by the social revolutionists and Mensheviki. In the preceding period, they would not, and dared not, take all the power into their own hands. In keeping with their provisional political position, they contented themselves with serving in the coalition government in the capacity of assistants, critics and benevolent accusers and defenders of the bourgeoisie. During all elections, they conscientiously anathematized the liberal bourgeoisie, while in the government they just as regularly combined with it. In the first six months of the revolution, they managed, as a result of this policy, to lose absolutely all the confidence of the populace and army. And now, the October revolt was dashing them from the helm of the state. And yet, only yesterday, they considered themselves the masters of the situation. The Bolshevik leaders whom they persecuted were hiding, as under Tsarism. Today, the Bolsheviki were in power while yesterday's coalitionist ministers and their co-workers found themselves cast aside and suddenly deprived of every bit of influence upon the further course of events. They would not and could not believe that this sudden revolt marked the beginning of a new era. They preferred to consider it as merely accidental, the result of some misunderstanding, which could be removed by a few energetic speeches and accusational newspaper articles but every hour they encountered more and more insurmountable obstacles. This is what caused their blind, truly furious hatred. The bourgeois politicians did not venture, to be sure, to get too close to danger. They pushed to the front the social revolutionists and Mensheviki, who, in the attack upon us, acquired all that energy which they had lacked during the period when they were a semi-governing power. Their organs circulated the most amazing rumours and lies. In their name, it was that the proclamations containing open appeals to crush the new government were issued. It was they, too, who organised the government officials for sabotage and the cadets for military resistance. On the 27th and 28th, we continued to receive persistent threats by telegraph from army committees, town doomers, vixels, Zemtos and organisations which had charge of the management of the Railroad Union. On the Nevsky prospect, the principal thoroughfare of the capital's bourgeoisie, things were becoming more and more lively. The bourgeois youth was emerging from its stupor and urged on by the press was developing a wider and wider agitation against the Soviet government. With the help of the bourgeois crowd, the cadets were a disarming individual Red Guardsmen. On the side streets, red guardsmen and sailors were being shot down. A group of cadets seized the telephone station. Attempts were made by the same side to seize the telegraph office. Finally, we learned that three armoured cars had fallen into the hands of some immutable military organisation. The bourgeois elements were clearly raising their heads. The newspapers heralded the fact that we had but a few hours to live. Our friends intercepted a few secret orders which made it clear, however, that a militant organisation had been formed to fight the Petrograd Soviet. The leading place in this organisation was taken by the so-called Committee for the Defence of the Revolution, organised by the local Duma and the Central Executive Committee of the former regime. Here and there, right social revolutionists and Mensheviki held sway. At the disposal of this committee were the cadets, students and many counter-revolutionary army officers who sought, from under cover of the coalition, to deal the Soviets a mortal blow. End of chapter 17